Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. I am the fourth child um, and the youngest, so I always had to make my voice known. And uh, I'll try to do that now. Well, it's a delight to be with you today. Uh, my wife and I are from uh, Colorado, and so we thought we would come down to the heat of Texas, uh, but it seemed to have followed us down. Uh, we do apologize for that. Uh, uh, if you want to blame someone other than the weatherman, you could blame us, I guess. So our delight is to be with you, although uh, we do have to return to minus 27 degrees uh, when we get off the plane tomorrow. So uh, pray for us uh, that we don't freeze before we get home. Uh, now, how many times have you ever feared in your life? Can you think of maybe once, twice? I, I, I don't know about you, but there are certain things that I have um, fear towards. One, when I was younger, I have two older brothers, and all three of us were in the same room. Now, that's, that's asking for mercy. Uh, from my perspective. Well, I rarely received mercy from my two brothers, and my bed was in the middle of the room, which meant they had the walls. And one night, I can vividly remember, and they joyfully still remember after all these years, that they said, ooh, when the lights went out, and my father was the one who turned off the lights, which meant he didn't want to ever turn them on again the rest of the night. And, and my uh, one brother, Michael, the oldest said, what's this? It's something's crawling up the side of my bed. My other brother caught on very quickly and he said, there's something on my bed and it looks like a hand. And I'm in the middle of the room going, there's nothing on my bed. What's coming? And then they said, there's, there's a couple of hands on my bed and they're crawling towards me. Well, you see, we had watched Twilight Zone earlier that evening. And so my imagination of that Fear was growing exponentially. And pretty soon there were four or five hands and they said Michael stood up on his bed up against the wall and David did the same thing and they said, we see several hands on your bed. And by that point, I just let out a yell. I stood up, I jumped into the, I think I made it all the way to the doorway and I was gone. And my dad was a few feet away from the door saying, what are you doing out of bed? You get back in that room. And I thought, I would rather catch your wrath than get to that bed. You see, I had a fear of hands. I did not fear my father at that point. And to, and I, but he said, go back in with a little bit of a swat on the rear end. I walked in and, and hung to the door, inside of the door. My brothers were gone. The hands had taken them. I was alone. I was fearful. I was going to be the next victim. And so I, with a leap of faith towards my bed, I got almost onto my bed at that point, and something grabbed my foot. It was a hand. And I was down on the floor and being pulled underneath the bed, screaming, bloody murder, to which my dad walked in and then... The rest became history for my brothers. And I was underneath the bed. They had yanked me all the way underneath. 
and I got in trouble for being underneath the bed. <laughs> so you see, there are many things in which we can fear, both fictional and in reality. Uh, maybe you have some fears of spiders. I do of black widow spiders. I've had one crawl on my leg, and I couldn't remove it. No matter how, uh, as my children thought, I danced and jumped and kicked my legs up without touching my leg, it never came off until finally I got up enough nerve to scrape it off my leg without getting bit, thankfully. But I don't like bugs. I don't know about you. Do you like bugs? How many of you love bugs? Ah, yeah, you know, if you stick a pin in them, put them under glass, it's okay. I'm not going to do that. I don't mind looking at them and going, how cruel. But I don't want them near me. Uh, are there certain things like cold weather you're afraid of? You got out of bed this morning even though you knew it was cold. What are some of the fears that you might have? I can remember as a child also being fearful of the atomic bomb going off in Southern California. And so we had to have the you know, uh, get under the desk drills. Except my teacher always chose me, it seemed throughout my elementary years, to open all the windows while everyone else was underneath the desks. So the radiation could move across the room somehow from one window to the other and we would be unscathed. But I was always the last one to get underneath the desk because I had to open all those windows. There were a lot of windows in a classroom. So there are many things in which we could grow up, and uh, I suspect that there are more living fears today than maybe what you thought there used to be. How many things do, are we afraid of? Are we afraid of getting canceled? Are we afraid of maybe speaking or having to uh, have uh, Pastor Rip say, would you give the opening prayer this morning? Would you like to read scripture? Would you like to... Uh, by the way, I have someone coming over to my house who doesn't, who, who works in the same field you do. And they need to hear that it's okay to follow Christ. And your heart goes, <laughs> it disappears. Or as I was encouraged, don't worry about black widow spiders. Scorpions take care of them. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, kind of not, I'm kind of not taken by that idea. But uh, you see, my fear may not be your fear. And your fear may not be my fear. But we do fear. Sometimes we need to recognize, and I think we all need to recognize, that fear is a feeling. It is not a dictator of how we are to be. And said, in fact, it says perfect love does what? Casts out fear. And that's exactly the kind of fears that we need to have steadfast and strong. Um, Shelley did a beautiful job, first service and second service, and I really appreciate that. I just love how the, the music with a psalm makes it come even more alive when you read it at the same time when we're singing. That kind of response reminds us, what, what was the phrase that we sang? Can someone tell me that? Now, you can answer that. I, are you afraid? I, I, what is it? The rock of my salvation. Right there. There's the beginning part of how to conquer fear. It's the first step. Recognize who our, where our foundation is. And from that point, we can walk forward. But imagine with me being in an environment that is 
fearful. For instance, there's a young man who, uh, who Lori and I have, have come to, to know and will get to even know more, whom we sponsor in a, in a place uh, called Kasugu Slum. How would you like that? It's not, it's not uh, what you would call a paradise. In fact, it is one of the, I have found it to be the worst slum that I've ever been in, and I've been in a number of them. It's a tough place. Now, the place in which Mahud, Mahad, I got to get that right, Mahad lives, is in a six-foot-wide, 10-foot-deep, cinder-block home. It has no windows. It has a doorway that's only covered by a cloth, and you'll get to see in a moment what that looks like. And the sight, the sounds, and the smell, and the security is not there. You have all those sights. You hear noises at night. You hear noises 24-7. It's not quiet. And, and you have those fears of what's coming in. Maybe you have the same fear of, someone, of a strange situation. Imagine what a five-year-old is going through, a four-year-old, a three-year-old, a two-year-old who can't comprehend what is actually happening. In fact, when we were there, at 9 o'clock in the morning, there were several men not too far away from where he lives who were already drunk. And it was tough. Olivia, who's his child champion, though, put him straight because she had her faith firmly set on that foundation, and she spoke to them and got her the finger in their face and said, now get back in here and quit hassling them. And the, the, all those four men, they turned right around and disappeared right back into the place in which they had been drinking. So let's go to the next slide. Here's a clinical definition for one fear. Who can pronounce that for me? You, you, you see, that happens to, I wanna, I'm going to be transparent. It's one of my fears, okay? And it is a fear of large words, speaking large words. I don't know about you, I'd like to find out the person who did that and, and just shame them to no end because I cannot, I can break it up. Uh, hippo, pato, monstros, quipped. Uh, uh, yes, okay, you got it. You got me beat. All right, I'm glad I'm not a betting man <laughs> because I couldn't do it. Um, but what is your biggest fear? Is your fear being that of God? Not the good fear, that's reverent fear, but fear that God may do something in your life that's different. Are you afraid of people or are you afraid of living? Now understand again, our fear is a feeling. Fear is an indicator, not a dictator. So I want to encourage you to, to remember that because it is what? An indicator, not a dictator of who we are. We have to determine whether or not we're going to follow God, follow after God, or not. It takes courage to follow God. 
And cowardice is one of the areas in Revelation where it says they don't go to heaven. A coward doesn't go to heaven. So I'm going to ask that you be strengthened in your walk so you can be courageous. Like Joshua was told when he was standing before this flooded river called the Jordan, and he's supposed to conquer the big city that everyone came out of. It's too strong. And he's standing there at the night before going, I, I'm, you know, I'm not too sure about this. Can you imagine you doing that? And what does God say? Be strong and courageous, for I am with you. You see, even then, Satan was a roaring lion waiting to devour, roaming around looking for the weak ones to devour. That's what that passage means in 1 Peter. But who do we have? Psalm 23. When my daughter was, was married, my second oldest, uh, I used Psalm 23 in her wedding ceremony. And most people came up afterwards and said, I thought that was only done at funerals. <laughs> well, if you can't walk in Psalm 23, in the strength of that in your marriage, you may not make it well. Because are we supposed to feed ourselves the green, you know, the green grass and, you know, the gentle pasture, the, the calm waters? Who does that? Our shepherd sends us there. Our shepherd helps us in our time of need. He even sets the table in front of our enemies. We don't set it. He does. The good shepherd is standing beside us and along with us with what? Rod and his staff. They comfort us. So now, if you'll go to the next slide, you'll find here that we can have a response. One of the responses is flight. We want to get out of here, get out of Dodge, right? And the other was fight. Well, I'm just going to fight my way through it. The other is freeze and you just let it come at you. The fawn has become fixated on that fear to where you then become immobilized. It's beyond freezing. It's that you can't get rid of that fear and it consumes you. The other is my clinical term. You get freaked out. Fear can freak you out. It does. There's times, I, there's times in which I can surprise my wife not knowingly coming upstairs and coming around the corner and say something and she jumps. Now, thankfully, I now have learned through the years to, to, to be able to say, I'm coming up the stairs. Now, husbands, have you ever done that? Just want to let you know. If you've done it, then just ask for forgiveness very quickly and not laugh, okay? It just doesn't go over well because then you'll get freaked out. Uh, so I want to encourage you. Those are honest responses, but I also want to respond again and say it is an indicator, not a dictator, to how we are to live. In Matthew 28, 18 through 21, and you take the words of the Shema. Okay, the words of the Shema is what we read earlier, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and what? And your neighbor as yourself. There is an element in which we honor God and put him first. In Matthew 28, 18 through 21, it, it talks about the great commission about going, exactly what Peter was sharing in, in Acts chapter 10 on how there is no one. It's not an exclusive club in which we belong to. That everyone needs to hear the good news 
and I will be with you always. It's very natural and contagious to be a Christian. And I want to encourage you to not have faith, not have a weak faith, but a strong faith that walks boldly because God walks with us. My mom's favorite, one of her favorite scriptures, and I think it was the, her favorite, was rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Why? Because the Lord is near. He is right with us as we journey in faith and not fear. So we can think about such things that are pure and holy and precious and genuine and not walk in fear, but in faith. One of the, the men in my life whom uh, Lori and I just absolutely love, and that's Archbishop Stephen Kasimba, who is here, who is here uh, in May uh, of this year. While I was in Dallas, we flew George and, and uh, Bishop George and Archbishop Stephen here to be with you all. And one of the things that uh, he let me know, and then also uh, Father John let me know this too, that every time you come in, Uganda's present because it was a gift to, in order for this to be uh, built, it was a gift of money that was given sacrificially to you all. And so it is a reminder of a connection that has no fear. Uganda has been through a journey just like our country has. That the difference is Archbishop Stephen doesn't have fear. He serves 13 million Anglicans, 13 million. Now, 13 is, is a small group, right? But 13 million is a little bit bigger than that in a country that's 47 million in population. The average age is, is actually below 30 is the majority of the population. Significant numbers, the, the uh, area in which we serve in Uganda in our first Hope Center Therefore, the Archbishop in Kisugu um, has over 7,000 children potential to be in Hope Centers there under St. Stephen's. If you'd go to the next slide. The main point is, what's our posture? In other words, is it one in which we're running away or is it one in which we're leaning in? All scriptures were read today are, are a test of him. Are we going to be standing on that strong rock? like Archbishop Stephen has. Let's see, you go to the next slide. There's uh, St. Stephen's uh, in Kasuga, the Hope Center. It's a beautiful brick building. It's the seat of the bishop. And, but half mile away from there, less than a half mile, is the slum. Let's go to the next slide. You see, that Hope Center and you and our future Jesus champions, and it's Mahud, and it's M-A-H-A-D. I was the one who misspelled that. That's his front door. He's the one in the little red shirt. And that's his grandma because he doesn't have a mom and a dad. And that's his youngest sister. And there's one in between. And they all share one bed. That's his place. And that was his face. If you look at it, his eyes, there's no smile. But there he is smiling because that... An hour and a half later, he was looking at himself for the very first time in a picture. And that's his child champion, Olivia. She was the one who got in the face of those men. She has no fear, but she has the joy of the Lord, which is her strength. I want to encourage you today 
to not have fear, but to be like Joshua, be courageous for the children that are here in Midland, Texas, to be a child champion church here and to connect with the child champion church there, St. Stephen's, in a community that's a cause for the change of a culture, an entire culture there in Kasugu and the entire culture here in Midland, Texas. And between the two of you, I want to encourage you to have absolutely no fear and to journey with one another in prayer, as well as what we'll have for you out there in the foyer is a simple card that will have a QR code on the back, and we'll walk with you through it. But I know that... uh, I know Pastor Rip has joined the cause community and actually sponsored a child this morning. That's how easy it is. And we are in that same cause community, and we were so thankful that I immediately went to the person in charge and said, we know who we're going to sponsor before we ever left Kasugu. And it was this little boy who I've written to several times online. I don't have to wait for three months. It's almost immediate. And Olivia has written back. I get so delighted to know that he's doing well. And I know that you'll do the same thing. By joining the cause community and praying for him, it's free. And if you want to sponsor a child, you're free to do so. But again, I want to let you know, God is your fortress, an ever-present strength in our time of need. Let me pray for you. Holy Father, there is no fear in you. You are our strong tower in which we can run to in our time of need. And through you, we can stand against all things, through the fire, through the flood, through all seasons of life, that yes, we recognize we are frail and we need your strength to not fear beyond what we can handle, you take it. We cast all our anxieties, all our fears upon you, and we walk boldly from this service today, committed to be saints who are called by you to serve this world. Thank you for that privilege and that honor to be in the mess of life so you can bring order. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, cover us. And it's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we commit our lives to you. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.